0: I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Thank you, Barbara, for being obedient to the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings. Chapter 2. Tomorrow night. Don't forget tomorrow night at 6.30. I look for everybody to be here for Monday night at the gate. Tomorrow night is going to be a powerful night. It's a time for us to just worship, to flow, to see what God says to us. And I have a, a short exhortation that the Lord put in my heart I'm supposed to share tomorrow night about the roar that's going to be in this house. So I encourage you to be here to help me roar. I mean, you know, the, the righteous are bold as a lion. That's what the Bible declares. The righteous are bold as a lion. This is not a day for us to be timid. Amen? Hallelujah. Last week, we began to talk about a principle in this series of messages that dealt with this this reality that potential can never be revealed until process is embraced. Potential can never be revealed until process is embraced. Let me just say something about what we believe as the leadership of the Gate Church. We believe that it's very important that we as a congregation not just have a weekend experience where people come and get blessed but that we actually take people on a journey to build things into their life, to help them become people who can live boldly, no matter what the place is in the world. How many of you know sometimes it takes great boldness to live your life in an office building where everybody else around you has no feelings for God whatsoever? You have to learn how to be courageous and live boldly in those environments. And I'm not talking about carrying a big Bible and always speaking in Christianese. I'm talking about just not, not being timid about the fact that you believe. It takes great boldness today to be a college student and go on a secular college campus and sit in classrooms with professors who really are anti-God and you still have faith to believe in God. So what we want to do is help people on a journey. Somebody say a journey. There's four things. I want them to put them real quickly on the screen. There's four things that we believe everybody in this room should do. This is, this is really a part, this is the journey. We want everybody in the room to take. The first one is we want everybody to know God. Somebody shout, know God. How many of you know that doesn't just mean be born again? Because there's a lot of people that got born again, but really have never come to know him in the ways that they should know him. Jesus said, I'm the door. So if salvation is a doorway, how many of you know there has to be a bigger room? Let me try that over here. If salvation is the doorway, then there has to be a bigger room. He's inviting you into a room where you get to know God in ways like you've never known him. There are people that still live by old wives tales and things their auntie told them or grandma told them that are not even in the Bible. Things like God helps those who help themselves. You don't have to shout at me. I know I'm doing well. I heard it all my life. Cleanliness is next to godliness. No, it's not. That's not in the Bible. And God doesn't just help those who help themselves. There's tons of people that couldn't help themselves and God helped them. How many of you, how many of you glad he picked us up out of a miry Clay? When we were stuck and couldn't get better, he picked me up. He cared for me. He gave me strength to do things I couldn't have done on my own. But you'd never come to know God if you don't spend time in his word, if you don't spend time in his presence, spend time in prayer. He wants us to know him. We want people to know God. Everybody shout, know God. That's why when we come in here on Sunday morning, we worship. Because how many of you know songs teach you? There are people in this room that can remember the lyrics to a country song you listen to on the radio every week and can't quote a Bible verse that you've carried for 10 years. Why? Because songs teach. Paul said that. He said, we teach each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So one of the reasons that we don't let worship go by and not be present. Some people say, well, it's not important I get in the worship service. I just need to hear the word. Well, the truth of the matter is sometimes if you'll sing some things enough, it'll teach you some things you need to know. See, I may may preach all day and you never get it, but if you get it in your heart, all my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. How many of you know when you get in the middle of a trial that it doesn't look like God's doing anything on your behalf, that word will come up on the inside of you and let you know I don't have a God that's trying to hurt me. I have a God that is chasing me with his goodness. So we want everybody to know God. Second of all, we want everybody to experience freedom. Experience freedom. Because there's a lot of people that, including this preacher right here, who came to know Christ, but I wasn't free. The Bible says that Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. But when he came out of the grave, he came out with grave clothes. You can be brought to life in salvation... And still be wrapped up in dead things. And guess what? Jesus didn't take the grave clothes off. He said, I did my part. I brought him back to life. Now you all take his grave clothes off. In other words, you create ways to get them out of the things that are binding them and into freedom. That's one of the reasons starting in February, we did it this past fall, so does a beta test. But in February, we're going big time in letting everybody know. That's why we have classes that take place here like healing of the heart. What is that about? That's about people that have been somehow got, got places in their hearts that are hardened. They don't even know why. They don't even know why they have attitudes they have. It's dead man's clothes. They're walking around having been born again, but they don't know why they keep experiencing death because they got to get those things out of their life. That's why we do LTS. Somebody help me in the room. That's why, Bobby, Bobby stand up. Bobby, you and your wife stand up. Bobby Wallace has become a part of our house. They, they're doing a class every Wednesday night on freedom. It's got to do with life controlling problems, addiction, things that held people bound up in their minds and in their lives, in their physical lives. Thank you. Why? Because we want people to experience freedom. I don't believe you should spend your whole life having to be bound to a temper. See, there's people that would would stand up, pray, and preach against people that were bound by alcohol, but think it's okay for them to have a temper tantrum three days a week. Stand up in your house and scream at your mate. Scream at your kids, because things never go the way you want them to. The only reason you raise your voice is because you feel like you're losing control. I ain't got no I'm not even teaching on that today I'll I'll come back to that another day but if you never know how to deal with those things and you never know how to get out of those things how do I recover from a divorce so that I don't two marriages later keep carrying into it the same thing I experienced in my first one I'm now living with Billy Bob but I'm still mad at Jack because of what he did 20 years ago you got to find freedom somebody shout freedom third thing we want people to do is to discover and develop their purpose in other words you were born for a reason you weren't here just to take up space above the earth, and when you die, take up space below the earth. You were here for a reason. In other words, you're an answer to somebody's problem. God created you to be an answer. You were sent here on purpose. Nobody is a better being you than you. So we create avenues. We've created avenues to help people discover their purpose. And the reason we do all of those things is because our desire for every person at the gate church is we want you to make a difference come on look at your neighbor and tell them we want you to make a difference that means we want your life to count we want you on not just to be present on sunday but we want you to be active all week long in every sphere of our city so it doesn't matter how many of you know it doesn't matter where you're at on that on that on that on that list of things everybody in the room has another step in the journey Mm-hmm. Now there are some people believe I, you know I've been serving God twenty five years I ain't got no more steps no 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 you got steps. Ooh, I feel like preaching today but I ain't got that much time. I, yeah, there's something I, I have to be I have to confess I've got some steps to take. One of the steps I have to take is I'm not when I get on Northwest Expressway in the afternoon and I'm in a hurry. I don't even know why I'm in a hurry. I don't have anywhere to be, but something about me just I, I want to go. my wife says, why are you driving? I don't, I don't know. Pray pray for me, please. I I want to be sanctified even when I'm driving. But when you're sitting in, how many of you know, and, and our dear brothers at the city highway department have never created turn lanes on Rockwell. And I'm in a hurry to get somewhere and somebody five cars up is still sitting in the road trying to turn left. And they ain't even got a turn lane. But how many of you know when you get to the turn light, there's five cars in front of you. You already know. I've been to that light so many times. I know six cars can get through in the time that light turns. But some crazy person is sitting up there on their phone looking at Facebook and not paying attention to the light. Because when the light turns green, I've already got my foot on the gas pedal. I'm ready to go. Let's go. And the temptation, and the temptation is to go, how many of you know the temptation is to, that's when I want a tractor and trailer horn. But the Lord's helped me. I just give a little tight beat now. Beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. I did that recently, and Kathy said, you are a pastor in this city. They may go to our church. I said, well, I, I hope they do, because I need to teach them how to pay attention to a red light. What to do when the light turns green. It's I'm doing a lot better. It's not, rah, it's beep, beep. So I'm, I'm coming along this morning, and I'm just going to give a beep beep because there's some people in this room you've been waiting on the light to change and the light's already changed beep beep Ah. don't 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 look around just look at me right now because it's really just I got a holy ghost beep beep it's time to get on the move somebody say let's move In 2 Kings chapter 2, we started the story about Elijah and Elisha. I'm going to read about seven verses here, six verses. Starting in verse number one, it says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take your master from you today? And he said, yes, I know, but just be be quiet, keep quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now, the sons of the prophet who were at Jer- Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? In other words, he's, they're saying to him, Elisha, why do you keep doing this? Uh, Elijah's getting ready to leave today. They were the sons of the prophet, so they knew what God was about to do. He, th- th- this is futile. Why do you keep walking these several miles with him from place to place? Because at the end of the day, he's going. He's not going to be here. But Elisha said back to them, yes, I know he's getting ready to depart, but you be quiet. Quit trying to talk me out of my journey. Quit looking at me and telling me, do you know how long you've been doing that? How many years you're going to keep on doing that? Because by this time, he's been doing it 10 years. Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on now to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives... And as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So the two of them went on. Somebody say, they went on. Beep, beep. Four places over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about all of them. Because they were not just geographical. They literally were stages or seasons that represented things in Elisha's life. He took him to Gilgal, to Bethel, to Jericho, and to the Jordan. The Bible declares in Psalms 37 verse number 23, the steps, the steps of a righteous man. See, I wish he would have said the elevator. I love push-button miracles. I ain't got no help. Huh? Did y'all hear about the Amish guy that went to Chicago? He'd never been in a hotel, never been in, never seen an elevator, never seen anything. He went there, and there was this big gold, looked like a gold mirror. People, the mirror would open up, people would get in it, people would get out of it. He just was standing there looking at it. He was an Amish guy. He'd never been there. All of a sudden, he's standing there, and this, this lady, about 75, came up, pushed a button, the door opened. She stepped into it. he just stand there looking at it. A couple minutes later, came down, the door opened up again, and a 25-year-old blonde got out. He looked at his son and said, go get your mama. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Anyway, listen. It's amazing what an elevator can do. Anyway, listen. That's how we think our spiritual journey is. I can get in this service, push this button, and all of a sudden I'm going to get off on another floor and be something totally, completely different. He said, the steps of a righteous man are ordered. See I want God to order miracles. I want God to order blessings, but God says what I order is steps. And if you understand how to take the steps, you get to the blessing, you get to the miracle, But I order your steps. I don't order your miracle. I order your steps and it brings you to the miracle you're praying for. I'm going to take you today to Gilgal. Everybody shout Gilgal. Gilgal. Now what's interesting about this journey is that between all the four places he went, in Elisha's life, there is no evidence that everything that... There's no evidence that in the 10 years that he spent with Elijah that he ever experienced any miracle in those 10 years. He eventually received a double portion, but nothing that happened in that journey was done by supernatural miracles. It was all done by steps. If you want the double portion, I realize I ain't nobody gonna wave a hanky right now, but I'm gonna keep preaching. If you want the double portion, you can't ignore the steps Now, I realize we live in an Insta-world. We have Instagram. Everybody wants to have an Insta-story. But how many of you found out that there's not five easy steps to a successful marriage? There's no three steps to raising great kids. Because everything is a process. So I want to draw your attention to a few things from this place called Gilgal. Everybody shout Gilgal. The word Gilgal means to roll away. It's also a word that's used for a round stone that rolls. It literally is a picture of things that are rolled away from you or away from the place where you are. The Bible says that Gilgal was where he rolled away the reproach of Egypt. In other words, all of the residue of your past that tries to hinder your advance in the future. How many in this room would be honest enough to admit that most of the time you don't really need a devil? What's the voices in your head talk to you enough to keep you paralyzed? Because past memories keep reminding you of what you're not. So no matter how much the spirit of God talks to you, you live bound by a memory. Some people are still held up over stuff that happened years ago because of the voices in their head that are the reproach, they're the contamination, they're the things that have that have, have caused our lives to be paralyzed, and we've never moved past them. We've never rolled them away and moved on. Beep, beep. I'm talking to somebody here today, because some of you, I talked about it last week, some of you are freeze-framed. You are, you are in 2020, but you are still freeze-framed in 2012. Because that's when the certain thing happened that caused your life to be so affected, and you are freeze-framed there. But I came today as God's Holy Ghost. Beep, beep. It's time to move on. It's time to roll away some things. It's time to let God bring you into the thing that he's ordained for you. And in order for that to happen, you never walk in the design destiny of your life until you experience a Gilgal. Because at Gilgal, he also circumcised the sons of Israel. I don't want to be graphic. I want to make sure this stays PG. Listen, but circumcision is this. Circumcision is the cutting away of flesh... At the point where life flows. If every seed that's in a man carries life. He didn't circumcise the women. It's a picture. It's a picture. It's not just about hygiene. It is a picture of a principle. He's saying every place in your life. That life flows from, flesh tries to shut down. And if you don't learn how to circumcise the flesh part of it, the life will be held up. And you wonder why you're having no offspring or no fruit. And it isn't because you don't have seed, it's because your flesh is shutting down your seed. So I have to take you by a place that rolls away. In the New Testament, Jesus comes along and he says, it's not a physical thing. He said, it's a spiritual thing. I circumcise your heart. In other words, I, I, I deal with all the things that you want and replace them with all the things I want for you. I get you to move beyond it. Somebody say, move on. Move on. Let's talk about some things at Gilgal. First of all, you have to decide what are the things you're going to move from and move past. New Year's Eve. How many of you know New Year's Eve? There's one song that's sung every New Year's Eve. Started in 1929 with a guy named Guy Lombardo. It's been still sung until today. How many of you know what it is? Oh, things Let all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. In other words, we're transitioning into a new season. This song was written years ago. It's an old Scottish song, and it was written by people who were primarily Calvinist, and because Calvinists hated Christmas and didn't want to celebrate it, they wanted to make New Year's a time they would celebrate, but they knew that in the calendar from one year to the next was a time of evaluation, so here's what they said. What are you going into this new season with that you need to let be forgot and never brought to mind? What is it from last year that doesn't need to come into this year? And then what acquaintances or relationships or things have you had that you may need to go back and reestablish in order for you to have what God intended for you to have? So, what needs to be remembered and what needs to be moved past? Write them down quickly. Here's some things we're gonna have to move beyond. Beep beep. Here's some things we're gonna have to get beyond. First of all, you have to move on from old history. You're going to have to move on from some old history. That means the events in your life that have frozen you in time. The bankruptcy, the foreclosure on the house, the failed business venture, the betrayal, the divorce, the health scare. You got to get beyond your last bad church experience. I never cease to be amazed. I look at people and say, why aren't you in church today? Well, I, I had a bad experience in church. I had a preacher, I had, a, I had, I had people at the church, I had, a, I had a worship team, blah, blah, blah. I had a bad experience at church. So you're not gonna go to church anymore because you had a bad experience. Yeah, right. Churches there, you can't trust me, they're all full of hypocrites. I said, have you ever been to a restaurant you didn't like the food? I've been to a lot of bad restaurants in my lifetime. I've even had a lot of bad restaurant experiences. But I didn't give up eating. (laughs) Beep, beep. It's time for you to move on from your old history. So brother so-and-so did you wrong, beep, beep. Quit sitting at a green light. It's time for you to move on. I've come to Gilgal. I'm rolling away all those bad experiences and I'm ready to move into what God ordained for me so that I can take the steps that'll bring me to my desired end. Move on. Second of all, we got to move on from bad habits and old habits. What are the old habits that God's saying to you this year? It's time for you to move on from those. Do you know there are some things that fit you when you were a new believer that don't fit you now? There's some things it was okay for you to have that attitude when you first came to Christ, but now you say you've been saved five years or 25. Paul makes an interesting statement in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. He actually talks about how can I tell when I'm maturing? How do I know if I'm actually taking the steps necessary to be mature in God? Here's what he said. He said, when I was, verse number 11, when I was a child, and the word for child, there's the Greek word Nepios. The word Nepios is the word that was used for a child that was between two and four years old. In other words, they commonly called them a babbler. They made noise. They just didn't make any sense. He said, when I was a child, here's what I did. I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. And I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So here, let me, let me, let me walk through that real quickly. How do I know if I'm putting away... And moving on from old habits. First way you know is in how you think. How you think. How do you know what to say yes to and no to? Because your life is going to be predicated on your yes and no's. If you say yes to everything, you'll never arrive at your destination. And if you say no to everything, you won't get there. But how do you determine what to say yes and no to? Because, see, most people have never yet come into mature thinking. They're still making their decisions based on an emotional need of the moment. Some of you can't handle, if you don't get invited to the party, you spend two weeks in depression. Because you have such an emotional need to be needed. I'm going to preach over here. I'm not feeling no love of that side at all. You have such an emotional need to be needed that if the people don't do what you need, so that sometimes we just give ourselves to all kinds of events simply because that's how we think. And then when certain things happen in our life, rather than seeing them for what they are, we then make permanent decisions based on a temporary emotion. Somebody does something, says something, and we say things like this, I'll never... I'm 28, but I've already made up my mind for the rest of my life. I'll never do that again. Really? Well, maybe you just didn't know how to think about it. Maybe actually what you thought was a reversal put you in a right position. Well, I'll tell you one thing: every woman's the same way. They all alike. Spoken like a true adolescent. Whoa! aren't you glad you came today? Because we make all these huge thoughts based on our childishness. Every wife was not created to get you tea. I thought I'd at least hear a little bit high register amen somewhere. Hmm? Lindsay was about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And I was, I used to always ask everybody for everything. And I, I looked at her and I, I was sitting in my recliner and I said, to her I said, Lindsay, bring me that remote control over there across the room. And she went, got up out of her chair, walked to where I was sitting in my recliner. And I wasn't paying attention, I thought she was bringing me the the remote control. And she laid both hands on my legs and said, and these legs shall work in Jesus' name. I'm I'm not trying to cause a rebellion in anybody's house. But I wonder what would happen when some ladies just sort of looked at their husband after they've worked all day, after they've cooked supper, and he's sitting in the recliner. Maybe they just need to say, and these legs shall work in Jesus' name, because every woman is not created to be your servant. you learn to think mature you don't think in the terms of immediate gratification you learn how to put some things off because of what you're reaching for in the future that means sometimes you have to let somebody else be cute for a while that means sometimes you got to do your own hair rather than making a hair appointment every week. That means sometimes you got to drive that car for another year rather than buying a new one. That means sometimes you got to stay home and work that weekend and finish term papers so you can finish your degree on time. You have to recognize there's a difference between no for now and not a no forever. It's called grown-up thinking. He said, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish language. That means I don't have to add a cuss word to every sentence I have. I know people that are born again, they want to give the light of Jesus, and when they get around their buds, they talk like everybody that's in the circle. What, what does all of those words add to your vocabulary? Well, I'll tell you what—that was a blanky blank ball game. Yeah. Really? What does that mean? What kind of language does God have for you? I mean, if you know, negativity's the sign of a child. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to play. I didn't get my toys. <laughs> I had to go to bed. He said, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. And boy, here's the big one. He said, I reasoned like a child. In other words, I had bad processing. I never knew how to respond to situations because I never understood the real destiny of my life. And so I never learned how to to value consistency. I hadn't reasoned enough yet to know that really what God's looking for from me is faithfulness. That I show up this week, and I show up next week, and I show up the week after that, and I show up the year after that, and if I keep showing up, doing the same thing in a faithful way, it's going to bring me to my destination because God says, if I develop some new habits and move on from those old habits, he will bring me to my desired end. Amen. Thirdly, how many of you know we got to move on from old hurts? From old hurts. Somebody shout Old hurts. That means i got to move on from the things that offended me, insulted me, wounded my pride. I mean, even Elijah wasn't always pleasant. I mean, he looked at Elijah and said, stay here. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Stay here. I'm going on, but you stay here. That wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't very nice. This man's been serving him for 10 years, and he's just like... Uh, I don't need you to stay here. You're fine. I've, I've witnessed things. I've witnessed people. They'll leave your church over the craziest stuff. What happened? I'll have some of my pastors come to me and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they're mad. They left the church. Said, well, they, well they, I'll tell you what. That, there's a, there was a fat lady in a red dress in the back, and they said something to one of my teenage sons. It made me mad, and I left. You're kidding me. That's it? Somebody said something to my boy. Somebody didn't let me sing. Somebody didn't let me do whatever. I left the church. I want to say something really bold, because I feel like I I feel bold today. You cannot be mighty and be petty at the same time. Make up your mind. If you're going to be petty, then don't ever hope to be mighty. But if you want to be mighty, you're going to have to recognize if you're easily offended, you'll never get to a place of influence in your life. I, can't, I don't have enough fingers, hands, and toes to tell you how many people that have offended me, hurt me, or insulted me. But I purposed in my life, I am not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I am moving on from my old hurts, beep, beep, because I recognize God has called me to something that is supernatural <laughs> finally you got to move on from, past to, from the present distractions in your life move on from the present distractions listen to me closely the prophets of those cities were trying to convince Elijah why don't you stay here with us stay here with us don't miss what I'm about to say. Don't, if you don't hear anything else I said today, hear this. I've learned in my life, I've got a wife that will celebrate 42 years of being married in April. I've got three children, I've got seven grandchildren. And here's what I've learned, even when it comes to my family I've learned that what I am distracted by is never as important as what I'm distracted from. At the end of the day, when I had an opportunity to spend a day with my kids, and I chose to do a hobby, what I was distracted by is never as important as what I was distracted from. You have to learn what are the most valuable things in my life. Because distractions will come to move you from the most important things. Because if you don't, you wake up one day and go, how did I end up here? Come on, guys. How did I end up here? How did this happen? This is not what I was imagining for my future. You know what happens? God puts you on a journey. He orders steps. He takes you through season, stages, and places. And don't miss this. Josh, come stand right there on the side of the stage. You and I have to learn to celebrate the incremental steps that lead us to the ultimate outcomes. Do you know what happens in so many people's lives? They don't celebrate steps. They celebrate arrivals. And so they expect to live a life of quantum leaps when in reality God calls you to quantitative faithfulness. If I said to Josh, come here. Is he successful? Yes, he's successful. He was successful the moment he took that first step because he is headed towards what the ultimate outcome was supposed to be. We don't celebrate those. We don't celebrate the fact that I went for a month sober. We don't celebrate that I tithe six straight weeks because we hadn't got the mother load of harvest yet am I doing okay but we have to learn to celebrate steps because when I do you realize that God watch this in Genesis 1 God was doing creation it was a mess the first day all he said was let there be light. There were still no mountains, there were no animals, there was no gardens, there was no buildings, there was no cattle, there was no fish, there was nothing. He just said, Let there be light. The Bible said, and there was light. He called the light day and the darkness night. And here's what he said. That's good. That's good. And he rested. The next day, he just separated the firmament. He said, that's good. You know what? God was able to look at incompleted things and say, that's good. For all of you in the building that are perfectionists that don't believe anything is good until you're finished, God said, steps are good. Learn to celebrate your Steps. I'm finished. Come on, team. Listen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 4 through 6 says this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. And if you watch every cloud, you never harvest. In other words, there's no perfect times. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind, nor watch this one, nor explain the mystery of a tiny baby growing in his mother's womb, So you can't understand the activity of God who does all things. So plant your seed in the morning. Keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another. Or maybe both. Do you know what God's saying? He said, you can't explain how one cell in a woman's body That is so small you have to have a microscope to see it will begin to multiply and then you go three months later and there's bones you don't even know how those bones got there you don't know how that sinew attached to the knees and those ligaments begin to be formed but you know what happened that baby was placed in an environment that allowed it to develop See, I'm telling you, there are people in this room in 2020, we're beginning a whole decade. If you will do what I'm telling you, if you'll let me take you on a journey, if you'll say, Bishop, I'm not planning on being a prophet by February, but I am planning on taking some steps by February. I don't care if anybody knows my name, but by this time at the end of the year, my family is going to be different. My thought life is going to be different. My language is going to be different. The way I reason is going to be different. My business is going to be different. And I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm just going to look back one day like nine ten months after a woman says she's pregnant and a fully formed baby comes out I don't know how God's going to do it I'm just going to find out he's going to add faith and he's going to add goodness and he's going to add meekness and he's going to add gentleness and he's going to add kindness and I'm going to wake up one day and realize I was faithful step by step and look what the Lord has done I didn't do it in a quantum leap but I did it week in and week out day in and day out because I realize the light is green. Beep, beep. I just got to keep moving. Come on, everybody get on your feet. Now listen, we take the first step. I don't know what that step is for you. The first step in your life might be Moving on past somebody who insulted you. Quit letting them live rent-free in your head. I just want you to know I'm over it, Bishop. No, you're not. Because every time you talk, it comes up in your conversation. Every time you're presented with an opportunity, it's the thing that comes up in your mind first. beep beep move on the light's green quit looking at somebody else's life and wishing you had their Facebook world beep beep maybe your first step is reconciling some relationships maybe there's something you need to go back and recover that you didn't think was necessary. Maybe there are some things that have got your attention but they're really not important. Somebody said to me one day, they looked at my library I've got over 6,000 volumes in my library and I've read them all somebody said to me "How how did you have time to read all those I said I read them while you was watching television because what you are distracted by is never as important as what you're distracted from For some of you in the room today, your first step is to invite Christ to come into your life. That's the beginning. It's the beginning of the rest of your life. It starts with you saying, Jesus, I'm ready to take some steps. And my first step is towards you. Because let me tell you what he's done done. He's done already taken the first step. He chose you. Now he's just wanting to know, will you choose what he's already chose for you? I'm not asking you, will you choose church? I'm asking you, will you choose Jesus? Because if you'll choose Jesus, church will find its way into your life. And I want to pray all over this building. I don't want to take a long time. This is not a, bit, this is not a hard decision. If somebody's offering you life and freedom and purpose and a life that makes a difference, Versus a life of going around in circles. Living groundhog day over and over. Wondering why you can't ever get free from stuff. That's not a hard decision. But it is a decision. You say, why is it so hard for me to surrender my life? Because there is a imposter who makes you believe he has the authority to control your life. And he's sitting on your shoulder right now saying, if you do that, you can't live up to it. But I'm telling you, he's already defeated. And those voices can control your life, and you need to look at the powers of the enemy that have kept you bound from making the decision to come to Christ and go. You know what? Beep, beep. I'm moving on. I refuse to sit at the green light and not make this decision. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, hands will go up all over this building of people will say, "Today I'm making a decision. I'm taking the first step." You say, "Well, I be, will I be Billy Graham tomorrow?" No, no. No, no, that's not going to happen. When I get home today, will all my problems be gone? No, no, they're not all going to be gone either. If they will cut your water off on Tuesday before you came to church, they're probably going to cut your water off on Tuesday when you get home. If you don't do to pay the bill. But here's what I'm saying to you. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not one of them preachers going to lie to you and build you up with hype that is not real. But here's what I'm saying to you. If you take that step, he begins to empower you to deal with the problems that you're facing. And you, and you face them with a mind and a reasoning heart that you didn't have before you gave your life to Christ. And you begin to take step by step until your life completely changes. So, when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand high all over the building, wherever you're at. Guys, can you help me with the lights? I'm going to count to three. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed. I don't want anything from you. I'm trying to get something to you. I just want to pray for you today. How many people in this room will say, Bishop, today I want to be included in that prayer? I want to take the first step. I want to make my life count. I want to give it to Christ. I want to know Him with everything in me. One, two, three. Hands go up across the building. Where are you at? God bless you. Thank you, sir. Who else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Come on, hands go up everywhere. Thank you. I see you back there in the back. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Courage has already come to your life. When you lifted your hand, you've already done the, already done the brave part. You've already made a decision. Our church is about to clap their hands with a thunders roar. Because you made the greatest decision of your life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're standing next to somebody, they'll come with you. But pastors are moving all over the building. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. Come meet me right here so I can pray with you. I need two minutes of your time. Everybody's going to pray. Would you step out? Come on, church. Let's thank God for all the people. If you lifted your hand, come meet me. Come on, right now. Don't stay in your seat. Come on, wherever you're at. Come on, God bless you. Come on, come on, people are coming. Come on, wherever you're at. Come on. Come on. Come from the back. Come on. Come on. God bless you. Thank you so much. so honored you're here today. God bless you. God bless you. I'm honored you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. There's still people coming. Come on. Come on, church. We're going to celebrate. Come on. We're going to wait on you. Come on. Come on, young man. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. One of our prayer team is standing behind you. The reason they're standing there is because they're just going to agree with you. We're going to believe today is going to be the first day of the rest of your life. The step you took is going to change your life forever. We in agreement? I want you to know something. I am thrilled that you made the choice, but let me tell you who's really thrilled the one who died for you. Because today he recognizes that his blood has paid the price for everything you'll ever need. Everything. To be the woman, the man, the young man God ever intended you to be. You'll be everything he intended you to be. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everybody's going to pray it with us. And then I'm going to pray for you. Okay? Church, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Say, Jesus. Jesus. I thank, you today I thank you today that you took a step towards me. That you took a step towards you me. chose me. You died for me. And that you rose from the dead so that I could live. So today, I make a choice to step towards you. To step towards forgive, you, me you forgive me of my Come sin. Into my heart. Come into my heart. Live in me. Live in me. I, choose today I choose today to live my life, to live my life through, you. through you. And I thank you I thank for a new beginning new beginning in Jesus name Jesus let me pray for you father I pray for all these people standing here I thank you today that as they've made the first step these steps have been ordered it doesn't matter if they are 10 or if they're 65 you have made a choice over their life and that is that they'll be blessed they'll be righteous they'll be free they'll be holy they'll be blessed and they're going to walk in the goodness of God and we agree for that today In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church. Would you give the Lord a great big praise today?